and welcome to another episode of The Final Draft, the show where we pair our favorite content of the week with our favorite beers of the week. My name is Dylan Schultz. And I'm Matt Boswell. Happy Derby Days, everybody. Um, if, <laughs> uh, if you're listening to this episode, it's a couple of days after the Derby aired. However, this whole week has been a complete and total buildup to a once-in-a-lifetime event. That's not true. Once-in-a-year <laughs> event. A once in a, well, I was Three say, times in a year event. The uh, the day or the, the chance that the Derby and Cinco de Mayo line up to be on the uh, exact same day. Is that kind of like the Cinco de Horse? Is the probability of that the same probability as a total solar eclipse? Doubt it. But maybe. We need to check the math on that. I'm going to get my actuary on it later. So, yes, we are talking about the big, beautiful, majestic beasts that are horses. Horses. The run for the roses. The great Kentucky Derby. And as a Kentucky boy myself, born in Louisville, born on the track of Churchill Downs, born on the 4th of July. Born on the 4th of July in the center pit of Churchill Downs on Derby Day. This is a really important event for me. Um, Your poor mother. (laughs) Gross. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so uh, so we built up the entire uh, week kind of based around this episode. Uh, yeah, spoiler alert, Justify won the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> um, it, was a, it was a pretty good race. He mm-hmm. uh, pulled pulled away in the last leg. Is that what you call it? The last turn? Mm-hmm. The Yes, the final draft of the race. Oh, my god! <laughs> the, the home stretch. The home stretch. Yeah. Uh, um, and... Horse racing is something I would like to view more, get more into, I guess. Yeah, it's really... Um, It's exciting. So, culturally, it's very fun. Um, It's what makes the economy turn in my home state so and bourbon and bourbon yeah and tobacco and kentucky basketball that's right go big blue justify coming around the final stretch he's the big horse on campus baby get him that crowd of roses oh all right so yeah so you know i have a love-hate relationship with horse racing because it is a really really fun uh and I don't know, just classically Kentuckian activity. However, um, as we saw in the movie that we're going to be reviewing today, uh, the horsing industry is not so kind to the animals involved. It's dark, and man. Uh, it's yeah, yeah. And I did think about that when I was watching the uh, the race yeah. yesterday. Of it's you know it's kind of sad in a way. Yeah. Um, While I have this um, like deeply ingrained nostalgia and and. Um, almost just want to only pay attention to the theatrics of the event. There's the entire background of this industry that that is rooted in you know not yeah. Not there's that, a lot of the things, best treatment of animals. There's a lot of things when you like horse racing, definitely being one that comes to mind of when you just start putting too much thought into it. You really mm-hmm. wish you didn't put a lot of thought into it. Yeah, but yeah. we're gonna be all positive about horses today. Yes, exactly. we're starting um, with kind of a throwback record. You know, as Dylan said, everything we wanted today going to be horse themed and we you know pitched the idea of maybe a one track uh review with save a horse ride a cowboy or beer for my horses (laughs) no we worked hard on this one i came up with a list of 10 tracks to uh check out and pair with your derby events uh this year and every year going forward please Um, every year i because i don't know that this list can ever really be updated i'm pretty sure that i got all of the horse songs that one can come up with i mean probably the newest song is i would well there's the casey musgraves the casey musgraves one that's from the album that we reviewed a few episodes ago so um yeah the rest of these are let's see what we have we have 11 tracks here. We've got um, uh, a fresh recording of uh, No One's Gonna Love You by Band of Horses. And uh, there's a lot of, uh, I call it the Tex-Mex version. There's a lot of um, 
Spanish translation uh, for a lot of the lyrics here. It's pretty well recorded. Um, I kind of like it. And then we've got Wild Horses, the Flying Burrito Brothers version, which is better than the Rolling Stones version. Fight me. Uh, we have A Horse With No Name by America, classic. Beer For My Horses, Toby Keith and Willie Nelson. Uh, Murder by Horse The Band, hot new band. Um, Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy, Big and Rich, worst song I've ever heard in my life. Uh, the Funeral by Band of Horses, classic, probably their greatest hit. Uh, High Horse by Casey Musgraves, The Four Horsemen by Talica, uh, The Widower by Horse Feathers, my personal favorite from this list. And uh, No One's Gonna Love You, the original version so by Band of Horses. And that takes us into... I beg to differ, first and foremost, before getting further, that Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy is truly the worst song you've ever heard. <laughs> it, man, it's, There's it's, a lot of bad songs out there. There's See, uh, sixth grade, Matt Boswell could really appreciate some big and rich. Uh, <laughs> and because of that, I think that Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy needs to... Get a little bit of a little bit of credit, a little bit of love on this one. I, you know, I really had to fight with myself because I almost put "Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy" dance remix oh on my here. Yeah, that's so dark. And I went with the original version. Oh man, I can't wait to listen to that later. <laughs> I hate it so much already. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Anyways, um, that first track off this this playlist, which can be found on Spotify, just search uh, "Final Draft Episode Eight Companion Playlist." Yes, and uh, we'll be sharing it in the description of this episode too. First track is. The re-recording of No One's Gonna Love You. Uh, forgive my pronunciation. Nare te va a amor como yo. Uh, actually, really cool. This song was recorded uh, to raise money for Central Mexico after a 2017 earthquake killed 370 people. Mm. Um, obviously, a huge tragedy in Mexico. Band of Forces just doing what they can to, to give back to that area. Um, and I don't know about you, with Band of Horses, this is a band that I really liked for a while, and then I kind of liked moving forward. Uh, my first real experience, like anybody else, is the funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, well, they got know, they got three tracks on our uh, on our playlist here. That's yeah. all, a little over a quarter of, of all the songs on here. A so. band of horses, all right. <laughs> uh, Cease to begin. Obviously, coming out after everything all the time. Really great record. I have on vinyl. Probably I my, listen my to it a lot. When I worked for Sony Music, is when uh, Infinite Arms came out and. It was a really cool record. It was in that era where these indie bands were really starting to get uh, national recognition. You think of Arcade Fire, Bon Iver, getting their Grammy nominations, Arcade Fire winning. Actually, both Arcade Fire and Bon Iver have won Grammys. And Band of Horses got their nomination in 2010 with that record. Um, so they've definitely seen some major success. Um, I think that they're probably not as big now as they were about seven or eight years ago yeah i think um they they had a release in 2016 that kind of got them a little bit of hype again um yeah it's one of those ones where it'll always kind of be celebrated you mm -hmm. know they're always going to be selling out bigger venues um especially on the indie scene i saw them on tour in support of uh of why are you okay and uh i mean it was it was an awesome show like i I went well out of my way it was it was on the festival circuit i went well out of my way to check out some some other stuff and and they did not disappoint so yeah i think they're a band that really kind of set the stage for this sort of alt folk feel um with you know avett brothers or mumford and sons lumineers fried and rabbit um a lot of those bands that were kind of jumping up in the early 2010s Mm -hmm. um so yeah, and, and when I listen to this band, it's kind of like Death Cab for Cutie and Ben Gibbard in the sense that the singer just has sort of a comfort food feel to his mm-hmm, voice. Mm-hmm. It's a really recognizable, distinct voice. Yeah, that's I, I dig how he has a very recognizable voice that you're not going to mistake for any other band. But, um, you know, he's he's the lead. He's the lead 
instrument, so to speak, mm-hmm. in yep. the band, but it, he's so nestled back in the mix and covered with reverb and just has this ambient, soft, you know, kind of kind of thing that's just a, a good, I don't know, it's like lullaby music almost. Like yeah. All the, even their harder rocking stuff is is just very soothing. It keeps a little, little mysteriousness to it. Mm-hmm. I will say that a band that calls themselves Band of Horses has a painfully small amount of horse-themed songs, and all of the other bands on this playlist who aren't horse-named have way more horse-themed songs. I want you to tell me one band where the majority of their songs, or a good chunk of their songs, are based off of their name. I'm just saying if you're that the majority of this playlist here. is horse-themed songs rather than horse-named bands. So you just get Band of Horses and Horse the Band. Yeah, that's true. Oh, and uh, uh, Horse Feathers. There's a little bit in there. Um, but yeah, Horse the Band, if it... Gosh, golly, Horse the Band, here I go. Oh, band shit. of Horses. Um, if you're you know into some of those bands I listed, you know, Ava Brothers or Lumineers... Um, if you are into kind of the shins, Fleet Foxes, Fleet Foxes, absolutely. Sure. Some of those kind of folksy indie bands, um, Band of Horses, definitely check out if you haven't already. Um, even if you are a fan, you may have missed this new recording for the Mexican Earthquake. Check that out. Uh, I believe a donation link is still available through their website. If not, um, still all proceeds of that song, if you purchase it, goes towards earthquake relief. Which is, uh, it's important. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and we'll be right back to talk some TV. One thing that I really wish I did in hindsight growing up is collect every volume of Now That's What I'll Call Music. So I can kind of just look back and see what was, what, what were the hits of the day, you know, to go back. I remember I had Now 1 through 7, I think, Listen, and I just kind of stopped. I'm about to blow your mind. I guarantee that there is a full record of all of those albums on Wikipedia. Golly, and you'll you'll be able to to go back in time. Well, yeah, but I'm, I need I need the physicals. You know, I need the actual copies to throw on my Walkman and to one eighty gram. Yeah, yeah. If I get them all pressed on one eighty gram, <laughs> no, you know, I just saw on Twitter that they're releasing now. That's what I call sixty six, and that's wild. And it would just be, you know, I was listening to those songs on the on the promo, and I was like, oh, yeah, these were cool songs from this year. I wonder what the cool songs from the other 65 <laughs> volumes were. The other 65 years. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's 66 this is actually six years year. of That's What I Call Music. It would be Man. good to kind of go back and, and listen to God, it. God, we're you know? old. Man, we're pushing 70. That's wild. Um, Let's so, talk BrewDog. Yeah, so we are, through the first bit of this episode, we are drinking Yunta Brewing Company Pit Stop Kettle Soured Apricot IPA, ale brewed with apricots. It is uh, pretty good. I didn't know that it was a sour when I bought it and figured out as soon as I uh, poured a glass <laughs> that it wasn't. It's really good. So uh, we're we're pretty, I don't know, well-versed in sours at this point. Yeah, I love sours. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm super down with this one. This is, this is really It's very great. good. I don't know how much apricot I'm getting necessarily. It has a really good, bright, fruity flavor that you kind of look for in the sours and... Mm-hmm. It's certainly unfiltered, which is offers a, a cool kind of flavor to it. Yeah, yeah, it's very bright. Um, it's just kind of a, I don't know, crispy sort of sort of nice aromatic flavor. Um, so they're they're brewing out of uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Is that what the Uinta Mountains are? It must be in or near the Salt Lake City area. Um, I do like Salt Lake City. 
been there a couple so, times on tour. Yeah, tons of hops, a little bit of malt. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. I'd drink this again for sure. So if you're riding on horseback, listening to Band of Horses, oh yes, drink I guess, some, oh yeah. As this isn't a video show, um, the label is a horse with a giant apricot on its back uh, and a horse boy uh, sitting. I think there's some hops on that back. And some hops on the back, yeah. And, uh, yep, there's a, there's a cow man uh, sitting on the ground. Uh, just chilling, much like uh, our boy Charlie? Lean on Pete. Our yeah. boy Charlie and Lean on Pete. So, yeah, you into brewing. Check them out. Uh, so the next piece we're going to be talking about is not Lean on Pete, but rather Bojack Horseman, the horsiest show on TV. <laughs> and uh, Is that an actual slogan of theirs? It is now. Nice. They can buy it from me. Yep. Just, just horsing around. Just horsing around. Bojack the Horseman. So... This is a TV show. It's a Netflix exclusive. For those of you who have not seen it yet, uh, season one through four up on Netflix. This is a show that I've tried really, really hard to get into. Uh, I've watched probably half of the first season. I've probably watched half of the second season. Um, It hasn't necessarily clicked. I think it's fine, you know. Um, But the thing is, most people who I've talked to say, kind of feels that way it's slow starting off but then you know the end of the first season and then moving forward it gets really wild and really good and i just hate that idea of having to sit through four or five hours of a show before it gets good yeah i'm usually okay with doing that if it's a brand new production company new actors hitting the scene a fresh director and uh you know they come out of the gate swinging uh it it can sometimes be worthwhile to get through the low production value moments just to get into you know what they get once they're funded and and you know get a little bit of a higher production value um this is a show full of rock stars both in the acting the voice acting and the production front um and i'm kind of with you you know right out of the gate it's uh, while i definitely think it's pretty funny in the first minutes of the first episode of the first season um watching it now in 2018 it doesn't really break the mold in any significant way the way that it probably did when it first came out four or five years ago uh, I remember when this when this show was was first coming out and everybody was kind of hyping it up uh, it was just you know like being heralded as oh will Arnett's greatest move you know and like this show is just absolutely hilarious and really fresh and and um, just what we needed and I didn't watch it then I watched a few episodes and it was just like I'm kind of with you it was just like fine um, I really love it whenever there are anthropomorphized animal people humanoid things being funny and professional penguins in an office space sliding around on the floor and like There's i think that's funny when the cat great. gets thrown out of the car and lands on all four lands on all four good. yeah and like that's cute and great and funny but it doesn't necessarily a great show make yeah so. i mean so at the end of the day there really is nothing new happening here you know it's we've seen this has been struggle before uh, for those of you who have not seen the show, Bojack Horseman is the name of a former actor who starred in this 90s sitcom called Horsin' Around. Um, but now in, you know, the 2010s, he uh, is the just The character kind of, is basically Uncle Jesse, just to kind of put He's it kind of depressed and, yeah. and alcoholic and uh, his memoirs being, uh, being written. But then the twist is, oh, he's a horse too. <laughs> and it's this yeah. world where kind of animals, anthropomorphic animals and humans live side by side. Um, that's an interesting point you brought about Uncle Jesse, because while not quite Jesse, a note I wrote down refers to Uncle Joey, and it was this this question or this idea 
do you think that Dave Coulier sits around all day and just watches? Well, that might be a lot more accurate. And watches old Full House episodes and like laughs and says, "Oh wow, I'm I'm really funny." And then gets blackout drunk and like tries yeah. to convince everybody that they're yeah that that might be a little bit better. Do you representation think that's what Dave Coulier is like these days? Because <laughs> what what's Dave Coulier been in lately, other than Fuller House? Was he in Fuller House? Has anybody watched Fuller House? Oh uh, no, I watched like five episodes. It was. You watched five episodes. Yeah, we watched of a lot. House? Yeah, Austin and I put God. it on for a few days back That's, to back. Whenever we had oh, nothing else to do, golly. I think we ran out of Bob Ross going to bed, That's so we threw that on. Very dark. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's basically. This show, it's funny, it's funny that you said that about, oh, he's also a horse, because that seems to be what this universe says to itself. Oh, this is a show about washed-up Hollywood professionals, and also it's a dog with a human body, and a horse with a human body, and a cat with a human body, and I, I don't know, that's just it. That's it. That's all there is to it. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, Dave Coulier stuff right now, because uh, I'm pretty curious. It looks like, you know, he was in... Uh, the surreal life, whatever that was, until 2006. But there, there isn't a lot now. So maybe Dave Coulier is just yeah. sitting at home and drinking and watching Full House. Well, and we know Saget is definitely uh, Saget's a monster. Uh, he's don't talk wild, his name, old man. He's because he, I, I was originally thinking of this, but with Saget instead of Coulier, I'm like, nah, you know Saget. One, didn't give a shit while he was on Full oh, House. totally. He doesn't care now either. No, no. But he, Coulier, he lived for it. <laughs> and, I mean, Saget did uh, Half-Baked after that. I mean, he's the the man's, you know, he he doesn't care about anything. Yeah, he's done, uh, Coulier's done some voice work, but nothing real big. What, they, what was Bob Saget's really big thing afterwards? Did he do America's Funniest Home Videos? Yeah, he was, yeah. He was hosting that. And oh, he's always boy. done his stand-up, his filthy, filthy, dirty, gross stand-up. Yeah. <laughs> Robert, what would your mother say? <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, I probably wouldn't watch this if we didn't have to have a horse thing. But uh, I will say Will Arnett is really, I mean. Oh, yeah, love Will Arnett. All of the, I think all of the voice actors are pretty good in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that their work is good. I think that the team behind the show, behind the animation did a good job of pairing characters to voices where you see, you know, Patton Oswalt. His character, he plays a couple characters, but, you know, him as, as his penguin, it just kind of mm-hmm. fits with his voice. Any culture podcast favorite favorite boy, Paul F. Tompkins, yeah. plays a good character as, in this. As Peanut Butter the Dog, mm-hmm. and and they just fit these characters. They did a really good job of, of animating and creating these characters so that it does fit the voice. Um, but once you get past the sight gags and get past the actor's performances, there just doesn't seem to be a ton of depth. However, what I hear is that, you know, the further you get into it, the more fleshed out, more realized things get, which makes sense. It was just kind of tough getting there. Yeah, I would like to say that I will be able to watch through and get to the really good stuff in season two and season three that everybody seems to be, like, recommending this show based off of. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I have the time. But, um, I mean, yeah, it's like, it's not a bad show no it's I, not I, and I that just, might I be the worst know. thing about it though is that yeah. it's not a bad show it's not an amazing show it's just yeah, it's a good show it's with good show, yeah. with how things are today with so, so much content out there yeah. so much tv out there there 
when you find a show, there needs to be a reason as to why I watch this show as to other shows. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I would watch BoJack Horseman and not just watch Curb Your Enthusiasm again. Yeah, yeah. And it's... Or Fuller House. <laughs> Fullest House. Uh, I just don't know that it's my show. You know, like, I, I don't know that I'm going to, like, keep this in my... Absolutely, and I can understand the people who do really like the show. I can totally see why they really like this show. Absolutely, yeah. It's just we live in an age now where, you know, the the media space is so competitive and, and, you know, getting attention for your time is so competitive and people now identify like that's like an extension of their identification is what's my list of shows. And this isn't like one for me. Yeah. You think of just your, your Tinder profiles, it lists like, (laughs) like shared interests and it's like game of thrones, Thrones, (laughs) South park, fuller house, (laughs) Dave Coulier's holiday special. Bojack Horseman. <laughs> Bojack Horseman. And that, I don't know if that's what I want my, my Tinder swipe right. Do you swipe right on Tinder if I you like them? I don't know, man. I've never been on Tinder. I'm not going to swipe right on somebody who's... F- do they do, okay, do, here's they do the Boys for Boys on Tinder? Here They do. Here's oh, the thing, real quick. If you list your favorite show as Bojack Horseman, no offense to this show, it's, it's fine. It's good. Yeah. If you're the kind of person... Who can't find a better TV show to really represent your interest than BoJack Horseman? I'm swiping left. Listen, if you're concerned that while your favorite show is BoJack Horseman, but you feel some social pressure to not admit that your favorite show is BoJack Horseman for fear of not getting through dating apps algorithms, don't worry. Facebook has your back. Facebook is about to launch a matchmaking extension of the data consumption that they've been working on over the past decade, and stop they're it. going to be pairing people based on stop everything it. that they know about you. No, stop it. So feel free. Let your freak flag fly. This isn't real. Put BoJack Horseman as your favorite show on Facebook. Are they really doing this? Yeah. Yeah, that's a real that's, that's a real thing, which is funny because I said that they should uh, do that like months ago, boy. so I could have been a millionaire. I guess that's uh, my chance. So we're going to be connected through memes? All right, well, we're going to ruminate on this and go get another drink. So when we come back, we're going to talk about our favorite film of the week. Be right back. Uh, welcome back to the Final Draft. Our next beer is Oki Matilda from Tokal Mato. It's a brewery in Italy. This is a Great Plains Belgian-style ale from Tokal Mato. Uh, Belgian-style ale brewed with American hops and Britannomyces, a tribute of the old and new world to Matilda of Canassa in collaboration with Prairie Artisanal Ales. Uh, and I did a little bit of research on Matilda of Canassa, who who was named after in this, this beer, Oki Matilda. She was the wife of a holy prince in Italy, um, really recognized for her military mind. So kind of cool to get that reference. Uh, just like our last beer, there are some horses on the label, and that is literally the only thing that is tying it to this episode on horses. The prerequisite was that there was a horse on the label, just like the last beer, and that is the one and only reason that we picked these beers. So thanks to the folks over at uh, the, cra- <laughs> the Craft Beer Cellar for uh, really putting up with us whenever we walk in, and they just had our back this is right out of the gate. a very interesting beer. I haven't had too much yeah, like it's, it. Yeah, it's really different than the, uh, than the sour that we were just drinking. It kind so. of has a really smooth... All, and I mean this as a compliment, but almost like a leathery taste to it. Mm, interesting. 
Um, like horse leather? Like horse leather. <laughs> There's a little bit of fruitiness to it, a little brightness with that orange maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's, it's really got that. a, I mean, Belgian ales, regardless of the like exact structure of what they've got going on, all has have this orangey, you know, citrus kind of theme running through them. Um, this light. Almost, but I do like how smooth this is. Well, it's smooth and it's it's almost kind of uh, like pillowy feeling like in your mouth. I don't know if that makes sense. That makes sense because I like, do sleep on leather pillows. Oh, really? Yes. Elaborate. No. All right. So, speaking of horse leather, um, Lean on Pete is the movie that we're reviewing for this week. It's from A24 Pictures, and something that Dylan and I have spoken about time and time again is it's very rare that a distributing company or any sort of film company creates must-see content. You know, you share that for a director or an actor. But A24, every time I see their their name pop up in a trailer, I'm like, all right, I got to see this. It's going to be really good. Everybody assumes... Rightfully so, that if there's the A24 badge before a trailer, that it's the must-see movie of the summer or, or whatever. And the cult of personality surrounding A24 is not something that you see in a distribution company or a production company. You see that with directors and actors and adapted screenplay authors and you know stuff like that. But yeah, A24 just came out swinging. And yeah, um, when you think about some of the releases that they put out, you know, recently. I mean, this company has been around for five. Five years, maybe less. But, you know, they've already put out Lady Bird, Disaster Artist, Florida Project, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, Lean on Pete. So many more. I mean, they're, they're absolutely. Um, you know, you think of The Witch, you think of Ghost Story, all of these movies that they've kind of really beautifully done. You can tell there's so much care and attention put into the product. And they really do pay attention to the types of movies that they put out and the types of movies mm-hmm. that they put their their name on. And they all have this common thread of being like, I'm going to call it a high production value indie film. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's like perfectly catered DIY. Yeah, you keep that love and attention and care of you know these kind of smaller budget indie films, but but they really help these teams get the resources that they need to make the movie that they want to make. So one of the newer movies from A24 is uh, Lean on Pete, and that's what we saw this week. And it's a movie where you saw the trailer and you kind of get the idea of what it's going to be. You know, this idea of a horse and his boy. Um, For me, you think you get an idea of, oh, this boy trains and raises and starts to deeply care for this horse. And uh, when push comes to shove and those around him don't care nearly as much as as uh, this kid does, he takes matters into his own hands and runs away and tries to find a better life for himself and for the horse. And I think that's how this movie projects itself in trailers. So it's it's interesting what comes out of it is actually a snapshot of lower income America in the Northwest. And you get these little almost vignettes of different characters and different lifestyles. That's uh, not too far off of Into the Wild when you think of the different characters that Christopher McCandless encountered. Um, you know, you get a horse trainer, you get a single father, you get some waitresses, you get homeless people mm-hmm. living in the city, all these different experiences that kind of shape and affect uh, the main character's Charlie's journey. And, mm-hmm. and it really creates a compelling and emotional story. And you never 
quite grasp the actual age of the character in this movie because he goes back and forth and what he tells. Between 16 and 18. Yeah, and some things tend to suggest that he may be younger than that. And, you know, I think the way that he approaches a lot of people socially, um, you know, at first it distracted me because if this was a 15 or 16-year-old, the way that he acts and talks and communicates was a lot more like a 12-year-old in a lot of ways. You can tell there wasn't a lot of education. Yeah, and and that's what I like to imagine is that he was developmentally a little behind. A little bit behind due to the nature of his impoverished upbringing. Uh, this actor Moving is kind from of... town to town. Yeah, the actor is kind of an ageless adolescent type, so it's really, really jarring the way that this uh, story pans out with this transient teenager who really has nowhere that they belong, uh, just kind of inserting themselves into strangers' lives and exposing all of these vignettes, uh, like you said, uh, in this rural lifestyle uh, in, in the area that this takes place in. Yeah, and there's some really big name actors in here, you know, Steve Buscemi and Steve Zahn, Chloe Sevigny, all really make up a cast in a movie that needs to be character driven. Yeah. You know, there isn't we talk a ton about about world building and about effects on this show, but this is a show or a movie where it's really just based off of its its performances by its characters and you know, Steve Buscemi is is someone who I absolutely adore his work and and he is fantastic in this movie. Um, and, you know, Chloe Sevigny, who kind of is sort of a mother figure, sort of a close friend of our main character, Charlie. Um, and I'm not sure who the actor was who played his actual dad, but he was great as well. And it was, it was a role where it felt so on edge that I was so nervous the whole time watching it that that relationship would absolutely fall apart and crumble. But thankfully it didn't, and you really saw through the movie that while this dad was nowhere near perfect, he really did care about his son. Yeah. He really did love his son. I was waiting for, like you said, this this relationship between father and son to be some, you know, abusive father or something mm-hmm. like that. But this was really just a very flawed guy who deeply loved his son and didn't want to let his son go to people who he didn't trust. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really powerful. And... The relationships in this movie are incredibly powerful, especially with this very static young kid who seems to be you can see him building walls around Absolutely. himself like from all of all of the exposure that he has to all of all of these people and, and how they <laughs> either inadvertently or advertently hurt him yeah you sort and, of see this and that I maybe that is the the draw to Pete the horse you know the connection that Charlie feels with this horse that he ends up running away with he's the only one who can, that he who can't, he can't tell the down tr- and he's the only and one he can who he can tell to, the yeah. truth to he has these really emotional conversations Conversations with this horse, mm-hmm. um, and you kind of see this timeline where it's you know a loving relationship, and then you know, but with an imperfect character, and then a relationship where at first he is seeking out this love and this care, but it's pretty much a business relationship, and then you know later on he gets connected to two more older people, and it's more sort of using him for his abilities. And then it kind of goes full circle and brings us back to this caring relationship. Yeah. So it's for as bleak, surprisingly bleak as this movie was. Way darker than I anticipated. It it does tie itself up fairly nicely, mm-hmm. and, you know, gives him hope for future. Um, 
And I think it did a really good job of exposing um, what everyday life can be like in parts of the world like this, in parts of the country. Especially impoverished areas. Impoverished areas that have all of this activity and all of these people living entirely human lives that don't get a lot of attention because in a lot of ways they're not considered interesting on screen. And they did a really, really awesome job of bringing to life all of this in a, a lot of ways, tragically so, but um, in many other ways, not. And, um, you know, I, I think that while I, I'll, I'll never buy it completely into a movie that tries to make a universal message, because I don't think that there are really ever any universal messages out there in the world. Um, the concept that this kid did not have any loving and nurturing motherly maternal figures in his life uh regardless of gender was kind of responsible for his transience and whenever he did approach women in this in the instance of this movie but but more nurturing and more caring figures in this movie he started to heal yeah and he i felt very drawn to them and to, the, and to wanted them to build and, those connections and this movie it was it was motherly women but i think it just says a lot for the general message of this movie is people caring for one another. What I took from this every couple of minutes is how troubled this kid was and how he was constantly surrounded by strangers who wanted to help him. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't it, it wasn't always maternal types. It was it was war veterans and it was fair carnival folk and 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 horse trainers and farm people and and just it, basically anybody saw that this kid was in need and just wanted to help and that's an interesting thing about this and into the wild where it's this idea of trying to get away from everybody you know trying to distance yourself i just want to be in nature i just want to be with this horse where there are people out there who really will care about you yeah um, but it's it's hard to to give yourself over and it's it's interesting what this movie does about bringing attention to some of these these characters and really humanizing them beyond their flaws. You think of, you know, it looks at alcoholics. It looks at war veterans who kind of have a uh, desensitization to violence. It looks at, you know, these carnival folks who really have nowhere else to go. People who feel stuck in a career um, based off of their environment. Um, People who don't have the option to work because of, you know, whatever may may have happened to them. And it's how they kind of deal with that, how Charlie finds himself in their world and how he responds to their world. And it's it's really interesting to look at these different characters without necessarily going overboard into needing to really understand them and their their actions. But it did an awesome job of bringing forward the path to homelessness. And like how quickly and easily how it can quickly happen. and and um, the the root of a lot of, of homelessness is not necessarily an inability to care for oneself. It's it's actually the opposite. It's people who think that their only option is to care for themselves because they don't want to be a burden mm-hmm. to society and a bur- and a burden to their loved ones or to be personally embarrassed by the situation that they find themselves in. I mean, there was there was a dialogue moment or. or Mm-hmm. A dialogue or a monologue, depending on how you want to look at it. When he's speaking to his horse, when he's yeah. talking about um, how he would rather 
everyone he knew see him dead than the way that he is now. And, or never, never see him, see him again, again than the way that they could see him now. And uh, I That's really yeah. think that that is the most powerful message from this movie. And, um, you know, it is a story of survival. It's also a story of, of ignorant youth um, that, you know, regardless of your age, there's kind of this, this – um, juvenile belief that you're invincible or that nobody that that nobody should see you like this it's an ego thing that that you you shouldn't present yourself in need to anybody around you and that's that's a very i mean i'm sure in a lot of ways it's a very american thing but i mean i'm sure it's a it's a global thing as well it certainly is yeah it's tough um, you you really watch this kid on screen that's what he is a kid and you hate to believe that any one of his age would have to deal with this but the reality is it it happens every day and there's there's thousands if not millions of these cases of of kids with nowhere to go who are jumping from town to town looking for anything but at the same time afraid to get attached to anything mm-hmm. and it's or afraid to be seen by anybody absolutely. noticed enough for help and um it's a it's a slow slow burn it's a bleak movie um, but it's not entirely hopeless and it's, you know, there's a lot of, of heart to it and it's a movie that would be difficult for me to watch more than once, I think, but I'm not unhappy at all that I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. It's only difficult to watch more than once because of it being emotionally draining, mm-hmm. not because it's not, the not a good content. Film. Yeah. It's a good quality, film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, definitely one worth seeing and one worth recommending, uh, as a way to sort of translate the humanism and, and relatable pain behind, uh, need and, and homelessness and, uh, imperfect backgrounds that, that shape people. And, uh, yeah, so I can't recommend this movie enough. I mean, it's, it's, definitely been worth the time that we spent on it absolutely so yeah absolutely a24 you did it again dylan i think it's time for you and i to hop on our horses and ride off into that sunset well it's a it's a rain set right now right into that rain set (laughs) cheers to you brother cheers y'all contact us through email at finaldraftpodcast at gmail.com or give us a follow or a mention a message on twitter final draft pod we appreciate anything if you would like to suggest uh, music or movie or tv show for us to talk about those are the best ways to contact us 